Thanks for tuning in to this message from Greenhouse Church. Pastor Renee will be bringing us an important message on the Revealing Redeemer, and we pray that it serves as an encouragement for you and your family during this season. Welcome, my name is Renee. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I sure hope that you are enjoying your holiday time. But I want us to dive into the Word of God today because I've got a word in my heart, and this is something that has been, I've just been meditating on for a while and really considering what the Lord did this past year and then trying to press into a deeper understanding of His presence. Nothing stirs my heart more than talking about and experiencing the presence of God because when you're in His presence, possibilities abound. When you're in His presence, holiness is all around. When you're in His presence, truth is revealed. When you're in His presence, forgiveness is sealed. When you're in His presence, false ideology comes tumbling down. And when you're in His presence, the Holy Spirit empowers and abounds. So I am saying, let's get ready, like buckle up, because I really want to ride into this new year with a determination to hear what the Lord is saying. Let's agree together that we want to recognize the voice of the Lord speaking directly to us. And what I mean by that is to our inner man. If you are born of the Spirit, then you can and should be able to hear what the Lord is saying. Because there's decisions that you will be making this coming year that you want to know what to do. To have wisdom, to have clear direction. You want to discern the voice of the Lord because there's a lot of things that are speaking to us. So we want to recognize what God is saying. You want to make the right decisions to avoid the pitfalls of bad advice, opinions that steer you away from your purpose, or lies and ties that bind you up. So let's agree that we can hear what the Lord is saying and become people of his presence. So the passage that I want to begin with is John chapter 14, starting in verse 15, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor like me, the spirit of truth, to be with you forever. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he's staying with you and will be united to you. I will not leave you orphans. I am coming to you. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you too will live. When that day comes, you will know that I am united with my Father and you with me and I with you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I love this last part. I will love him and reveal myself to him. I want you to hear this. This is like Jesus saying, I will love you and reveal myself to you. He's not a silent savior, but a revealing redeemer. The scriptures often speak about God's presence and how he reveals himself to man. And whenever it's used this way, it refers to face, implying a close and personal encounter with the Lord. And if you study the subject of the face of God in scripture, it's a sign of favor. And the prayer that we sometimes speak at the end of a service is called the priestly blessing prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. His presence radiates glory. It's the shining face of the Father that teaches us real joy. It's knowing that we are accepted and celebrated by a perfect Father. So when we're talking about the presence of God, we're talking about the shining, glorious face of a perfect Father aimed directly at you. So when you draw near 
to hear, be prepared to receive, because he is speaking. If you uh, are hungering for more of his presence, then be ready to be transformed, because that's what happens when we get close to him. And there's a couple of things I've discovered, like humility matters, willingness, sometimes periods of fasting and surrender are the stepping stones that lead any of us up the mountain of revelation. Now, when I speak about the mountain of revelation, this is prophetic language. And this means those marking moments in your life where God does something. He imparts something special. It could be maybe at a breakthrough weekend. It could be at some microchurch. It could be at a conference. But something happens where all of a sudden you and God connect and it's a marking moment. So if you are living in Florida like many of us or if you have come to visit the Sunshine State, you know that the state of Florida is very flat. There's like, there's no mountain ranges here. The only hill that I would describe as possibly a mountain are bridges that go over our waterways. So that's why many of us enjoy traveling northward so that we can experience and view the beauty of mountains. But the Bible is filled with stories of what took place on hills and mountains. More than 500 times in scripture, hills and mountains are mentioned. So it's so interesting to see what happened to several people in the Bible when they walked up a mountain to encounter God. That experience imparted a revelation about who God is and the role they would play in the history of redemption. Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John. For Moses, it was Mount Sinai. For Elijah, it was Mount Carmel. Peter, James, and John, the Mount of Transfiguration. Symbolically, mountains point to steadfastness, trustworthiness, immovability, strength, and faith. It's amazing what can happen when we have these marking moments with God, special times set aside to encounter him and to receive a revelation. These, these moments are deeply, deeply personal to us and so necessary. Why? Because he's not a silent savior, but a revealing redeemer. So it's worth climbing up the mountains that come into our lives to, his, to experience his presence that radiates glory inside of us. You know, I remember my first summer job when I was a teenager. I worked at Six Flags over Mid-America, and I loved riding the Screaming Eagle. The Screaming Eagle was this giant white wooden roller coaster. And at that time, it was the highest and the fastest. It went up 110 feet, and it, it soared down the rails at 62 miles per hour. Well, every morning before I went off to my assigned duty, I... I would ride the roller coaster and I would sit right in the front, the front coaster, because they had to run the roller coaster every morning before the park opened. I'd sit in the front and I loved as that coaster was going up the, that lift hill and you heard the chain clinking, it get to the top and all of a sudden the brake would be released and that thing would soar. I loved the wind, I loved the height, it was the speed, it was the thrill. That's what I did every morning when I went to work. It was awesome. Well, for some of us, there are times in our spiritual journey that we have what we call mountaintop experiences. God comes through in a powerful way. Maybe an important prayer God answered, or maybe you encountered a healing. It could have been maybe salvation of a family member or a, a friend that you had been praying for for many years. All of a sudden they came to the Lord or freedom from addiction a financial breakthrough, or maybe you got the, the right promotion or the right job opportunity, or God-given wisdom to make the right decision at a critical point. But before you got that breakthrough, before the healing, before the miracle, 
before the increase, before the promotion, before the major decision was spot on, you had to climb the mountain. The mountain of obstacles, difficulties, maybe you encountered some setbacks, maybe you had to deal with rejection, or maybe you had to deal with an over, over sense, overwhelming sense of fear, maybe you, all of a sudden you felt unworthy, or maybe a, just a cloud of oppression came in. Maybe you experienced some resistance for some time or hardship, loss. Maybe you had to deal with anxiety or spiritual warfare. Just like the roller coaster, before it can be released to soar the rails with great speed, it must first climb the lift hill. It's got to climb. There's no power. There's no G-force. There's no momentum, no speed. Nothing happens without the climb. Every click, click, click of that motorized chain is necessary to move that roller coaster to the top. Its potential energy keeps growing and growing and increasing until it reaches its maximum potential energy at the crest of the hill. And once it gets to the top of the hill, all of a sudden the law of gravity kicks in and all that built up potential energy changes into kinetic energy and that coaster begins to soar. I want you to hear this. If you and I want to experience his presence that radiates glory, his word that radiates truth, and his spirit that radiates power, we have to say yes to the climb. We gotta say yes. And the climb is our ability to remain true, to faithful, trustworthy, steadfast, and movable. Because as you climb through every challenge, trial, difficulty, and obstacle that is standing in your way and you didn't give up and you didn't walk away, but you stood your ground with faith and trust in God no matter what was going on. It might have looked impossible. It seemed like there was no way God was gonna come through. You have all this rejection, but you didn't, you didn't move from your positional place of believing. You will radiate. His presence will fall upon you. There will be an anointing on your life. Something, something happens to us when we allow him in. And pretty soon, because you stood your ground, God uses that, anoints that, and then you become a strong witness to those who need to see a believer that's trusting in Jesus. You see, your potential keeps growing until it reaches a point of maximum effectiveness at the top of the hill of your circumstance. And when you reach that top and all, the, all of a sudden God says, all right, release the brake. The breakthrough comes. The favor comes. Everything begins to bow and pretty soon you're, you're stepping into a new place where God is answering your prayer and God's anointing you and pretty Pretty soon things are coming together. Why? Because you believed and trusted in Jesus. Makes a huge difference. His presence will flow out of you as a witness that God is real. And that, that's what people are looking for. They want to see, see people who are walking around believing, believing the faith that they profess. You know, I remember there's a microchurch leader named Lisa. And I remember she was really excited because she wanted to, she really felt like God was calling her to the prophetic ministry. And so she's like, Renee, I really, I feel like I've been, God wants to use me this way and God was using her that way. She goes, I'd love to be a part of the prophetic ministry team. I'm like, great. So she joined the team and, and when we had GLC this year, we had prophetic ministry. She was on the team. Afterwards, she was so excited. She comes up and she's like, Renee, you will not believe this. All I did was open my mouth and all these words came out. These were like God's words. 
And he was right on, like the people that were receiving it were amazed. She was so excited because, because God's spirit was flowing through her. And I was excited. I'm like, yes, something glorious occurs when we become people of his presence, but people of his power. Now, there's a great example of this found in the Old Testament, Moses. Moses radiated the glory of God's presence. Moses walked up Mount Sinai the second time with two new stone tablets to receive the words of the covenant called the Ten Commandments. But I love to, to look at what happened after this encounter. It's in Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 29. Moses is coming down the mountain. So he comes down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him. And then he spoke to them. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. In the presence of God, he was unveiled. But in the presence of people, he was veiled. His face so radiated that there was a physical effect from encountering the glory. He got close to the glory and it physically affected him. Anybody looking at him, man, they were afraid. But Moses knew that the glory would fade away. He veiled his face so that people would not see the fading brightness come to an end. Moses was chosen by God to introduce the law to the nation of Israel and the law came with glory. But the glory was destined to fade away. So a greater glory was necessary. The glory of the new covenant. The glory of salvation found in Jesus Christ. The glory of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul describes it for us this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation, we speak with great courage... And we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so the Israelites would not gaze at the end of the glory which was fading away. But in fact, their minds were hardened for they had lost the ability to understand. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed only in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I love this part. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, what we call true freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, continually seen as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You see, this is what we want. We want to move from glory to glory to glory. And we do this in the power of the spirit. He's not a silent savior, but a revealing redeemer. God wants to change the face of his church once again through the revelation of his goodness. He longs to raise up a people who will not just carry good news in the form of words. He's longing to raise up a people who carry the good news in power, which is a person, it's his presence. 
And Jesus, he demonstrated his authority by the words he spoke and the actions he displayed. His word radiates truth. Well, let's just consider the prophet Elijah for a moment. One of the greatest men who witnessed some miraculous things. Israel as a nation during this time in history, they were filled with idolatry and pagan rituals. They embraced immorality to such a degree that truth was very far from the throne. Truth was not happening in the leadership. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel wanted nothing to do with the God of the forefathers. Evil darkened the souls of men and women and they were drowning in sin. So it's at this time that God calls Elijah to perform one of the greatest miracles described in the Old Testament. Elijah, he challenges Ahab to gather all the people and all the prophets of Baal to meet with him on top of Mount Carmel. It was to be a showdown. On the mountaintop in front of 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah and crowds of people, basically the God who answers by fire, he is the one true God. So Elijah challenges his people. This is the nation of Israel. He's basically saying, get off the fence. Quit limping back and forth between two opinions. You can't serve Baal and serve Jehovah God. You've got to stop compromising. You see, he's a prophet and God's truth is inside of him and he's proclaiming, stop compromising. Well, of course, the prophets come and they begin to shout. They put an altar together. They begin to shout. They begin to dance around this altar calling on the name of Baal from morning to noon. Nothing's happening. So Elijah starts taunting them. Like, you know what? Well, maybe, maybe Baal is traveling around. You better shout louder. Well, what if he's sleepy? He's just not, not able to hear you. I mean, what if he's super busy? Of course, uh, this stirs up the prophets of Baal. And so they start, they start cutting themselves with swords and, and spears until the blood flows because that is the activity of the cult. They've got to shed blood in order to appease their deity. So they are they're frantically trying to prophesy and they do this until the evening sacrifice. So this is happening all day. Finally, Elijah's had enough. He stands up and says, all right, people come here. I want you to see something. He arranges, he arranges these 12 stones, one representing each tribe of Israel. He digs this large trench around the altar he places wood, he takes the bull, and then he says, I want you to drench this sacrifice with water. And I want you to do it over and over again until the whole trench is filled with water. And after they do that, Elijah steps forward and prays a simple prayer. And after that prayer, the heavens open, fire falls, and it burns up that bull. It consumes the wood. It consumes the stones, it consumes the soil, it licks up all the water. And all of a sudden when the people see this, they fall prostrate on their faces and they're like, the Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. The false prophets, of course, are seized and destroyed. God's word radiated truth through a powerful demonstration of the supernatural touching the natural. And Elijah was known as the prophet who experienced the fire of God both at Mount Carmel and at his departure when God called him home. If you remember, when it was time for him to leave the earth, God sent a chariot of fire and horses of fire to sweep him up in a whirlwind. The presence of God is revealed with glory, firepower, and truth. And his nature is still the same today. 
The pathway to understanding the supernatural realm is only found in truth himself. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way for us to defeat what is false, to rip apart falsehoods, is to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said he was the only way of salvation. This was his major teaching ministry. This is what he spoke about. And because of this, he was the most detested and resisted truth. Whenever he shared this, nobody wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear or believe that this is really what God was saying. But Jesus didn't stop. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Don't be seduced with arguments by those who assume they are more loving and wiser than God. And his spirit radiates truth. You can tell how much God trusts you and trust the work God has done in you by what he has entrusted to you. God entrusts more of his power to those who are mature in obedience. In this, we do not earn God's power, but are protected while operating in it. And four things increase as we experience more of the Holy Spirit's power. God's zeal, Satan's rage, man's demands, and our emotional capacities. The Holy Spirit is the treasured one of heaven that God promised would live inside of every believer. He is the gift that was given to the church and he lives in us for a purpose. He's full of power and will anoint us for specific assignments. And that's the beauty of the spirit, to know him, but there's times where you want him to rest upon you. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in his power, a willing vessel that is hungry to receive the supernatural gifts that flow from him. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, the supernatural, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. All these radiate the working power of the Holy Spirit as he distributes them to each one as he determines. So it comes from the Holy Spirit. And if we're willing vessels and we're saying yes to this, then as he wants to move among us and we obey, then it's his distribution we begin to operate. And here's the beauty. He lives in me like a river, but he wants to flow out of me for the purpose of impacting those around me. It is wonderful to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't want to stay in me. He doesn't want to stay in you. He wants to flow out of you. That means he's not a stagnant lake or a dead sea, but a moving powerful force to flow through my life, my words, my actions to change things around me. You and I have been given the opportunity to learn how to host the presence of the Lord and understand the purpose of the anointing, which is a person. When his presence comes upon a person, it is to change that circumstance around them. It makes a difference when you pray under the anointing. It makes a difference when you counsel. It makes a difference what you do at your job or school when you're under his presence. Why? You were born to invade the impossible. You were designed to express the life of Christ through some impossibility. When you're under his anointing, you have an appetite. You have a hunger, a spiritual appetite to see what seems impossible come under the power and the authority of Christ and be changed, transformed, or removed. You know what? Jesus demonstrated how to live like this when he walked the earth. He emptied himself, took, takes human form, 
faces all the temptations like we must face, but is personally filled with the Holy Spirit after his time in the wilderness. Time of testing. He comes out of that place in the power of the Spirit. Then he only does what he sees his father do, and he only says what he hears his father say. He was teaching us. He was teaching us how to live in the power of the Spirit. He was setting an example that you and I can follow. I am not satisfied with living my Christian life with a lack of power, lack of purpose. I do not want to settle for some religious duties or the appearance of godliness but lacking spiritual power and authority, I don't want that. I don't want to walk hand in hand with doubt and unbelief. Why? Because all that is real easy to do. I don't want to do it. I want to live in the radiant power of the Spirit. Like many of you, I want to believe this coming year that I will witness more and more healings, real healings happening around me in services, in microchurches, out and about. I want to see people coming to the altar to get saved. I want to see them get delivered. I want to see them jump in the water baptismal tank and say yes to Jesus, get baptized in the Spirit. I want all that. I want to hear what Jesus is saying, and then I want to act on it. Why? Because he's not a silent Savior, but a revealing Redeemer. When Jesus knew that his departure was near, he would be facing the cross very soon, he chooses Peter, James, and John to come up with him to a mount. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Jesus is talking to the Father. Peter, James, and John, they're in this prayer meeting. They're getting really tired and sleepy, and so they're, they're falling asleep. Then all of a sudden, the atmosphere gets charged, and they wake up because Jesus is standing there, and his face is bright like the sun. His clothes are white like lightning, and it startles them, and they're beholding him, and all of a sudden, there's two men that appear talking to Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And they're talking to Jesus about his exodus or about his departure. How would these guys know that? By way of revelation. And they're talking about this. And if you think about this, Moses lived 15 centuries prior. I mean, they lived thousands and thousands of years before this. But why Moses and Elijah? Moses, of course, is the giver of the law. And Elijah, the greatest of the prophets. And together they represent the law and the prophets. Both men experience the fire of God and they both experience the manifested glory of God while they walked on the earth. It had to be these two. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's fulfilling everything that was in the law and everything that the prophets are foretelling. For he says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. When this is happening, all of a sudden Peter, he, he's probably just, um, he's probably, there's amazement. He doesn't know what's going on. At the same time, he's filled with fear. He's just not trying to figure this out. He's like, I know, I know. We'll build three shelters, Jesus, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. All of a sudden, this cloud begins to descend upon them, and the Father's voice is heard from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the cloud lifts, and there's Jesus appearing just like normal. For a moment, for a glimpse in their life, the veil of who he was was removed, and they got to see his glory. Just a moment, it showed who he really was, the Son of God. You see, God doesn't want another mad-made tabernacle. He doesn't want to be housed in a temple. 
He doesn't want shelters built. He doesn't want to live in the many church buildings that we have constructed through the years. No, no, no. He wanted to live inside of us. We are the earthen vessels designed by him to host his presence. We are living letters, our words, faith, and testimonies radiating out of us. That's what we are. His laws no longer written on stone tablets. They have been inscribed on our hearts and minds. That's why we can hear his voice. That's why we can recognize what the spirit of truth is saying. His spirit radiates power through us. When we receive salvation, we receive the baptism of the spirit. He is the treasured one living inside of us. And I hunger to know him more. I desire to dive deeper into the mystery of this treasured one living inside of me. This is what Jesus promised. It's what he promised. And this is what we see in the book of Acts. And this is what we see throughout church history. People that were so open to the Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God, and teach us. You see, what was spoken on the Mount of Transfiguration by our Heavenly Father is still speaking today. This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. He's not a silent Savior but a revealing redeemer. You know, God still works through imperfect people, those who've screwed up their lives, those who've made a lot of mistakes, those who've run away, those who haven't been interested in him, tried to hide. He still uses imperfect people. <laughs> That's the great hope. Moses hid and ran away for 40 years after killing the Egyptian because he was found out. Yet God knew where he was and what he was, and he called him anyway. Elijah he ran away. He was discouraged. He went into a time of depression after this great display of what happened on Mount Carmel because Queen Jezebel was after him. She wanted his life. Yet God knew where he was and what he was and still chose him anyway. Peter, after experiencing the glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, several days later, he denies him when the pressure's on because he's fearing for his own life, yet God knew where he was and what he was and still called him anyway. That gives us such hope. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, all authority, power, and dominion. And every name that is evoked, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. And then God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Open the New Testament and search for every reference to the Holy Spirit. Observe what is happening, and then what does it teach you about him, about his nature? And number two, if you are feeling like spiritually dry, and you're hungering for more of the Spirit, ask. Ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in your life. If you're wanting the baptism of the Holy Spirit, ask Him to baptize you. If you want to be refilled, ask Him to refill you. If you are wanting revelation this coming year, ask Him. 
and memorize Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Now, some of you, maybe you've been listening to me, and you feel like this, this thing is just pulling on your heart. You recognize you really do want Jesus to be Lord of your life. You recognize that you really need him as Savior. And this is so important because Jesus, at the right time in the history of man, he walked up a mount called Calvary, and he took his cross. And there he laid down his life to pay for the sins of the world. Sin separates us from God, but repentance breaks the dividing wall. So that's why Jesus is our redeemer and salvation can only be found in him. Redemption has this meaning. It means to secure the release of a person by the payment of a price. It's covenantal language because it speaks about atonement, deals with ransom, substitution and deliverance. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our redemption by laying down his life. If you're ready to receive this truth, I pray over you that you will experience Jesus. Now, I pray that, that you will have a genuine encounter with him, that you will recognize he's speaking to you and wants to, he wants to be Lord of your life. Allow him in. If you'd like someone to pray with you because you want to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to do that. Now, there's a couple numbers that are going to be appearing up on the screen. So just text Jesus if you really are ready to have someone pray with you in agreement. But if you want prayer, text prayer because we've got people ready to pray with you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shalom. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this sermon, be sure to click that like button. It helps others to find the stream online. You can also post a comment about your favorite part of the sermon. Another way to connect is by subscribing to our YouTube channel. I hope your week is wonderful. Live green.